0: rich people
1: 76 not again because you haven't heard episode 76 yet welcome again to the feminine critique for the first time episode 76 i'm emily
0: i'm a very confused christy i
1: realized as soon as i said what i said that i was misspeaking Mm -hmm. i can't welcome you again to something that hasn't happened yet for sure you know yeah good catch though yeah i don't like to start on poor grammar it's just not my style Uh, Now, on this episode of The Feminine Critique, Christine, what are we covering?
0: We are covering um, 2016? Recently's High Rise. Is it this year or last year? I know Uh, it was at Fantastic Fest last year.
1: It's one that had, like, uh, festival runs Mm -hmm. for a while, so it's probably on IMDb listed at as 2015 but realistically most people saw it in 2016 Yeah, especially now that it's on Netflix now this is when everybody will see it and this is a movie that um, I kept putting on my queue and then I was like no I shouldn't put this at the top because this is so the kind of movie that's going to come on Instant Watch mm-hmm. and we agree, we decided to do it And I bumped it to the top of my queue, and then, like, that day I found that it came on Instant Watch, and I was able to change it in time, Christine. I was.
0: Well, I'm glad, because I feel like one of the reasons why I picked it was because I was told it was on Instant Watch, and then you said, no, it's not. Well, it was weird, because
1: I I tend to try to look up those, like, what's new on on Netflix this month, Mm -hmm. but the problem is that they'll... They'll tell you, you know, coming to Netflix September 15th or so. Mm -hmm. And then I don't remember this stuff. And Netflix doesn't do, remember in the old days when Netflix was all like one thing, if a movie came to instant, it would automatically go on your instant queue.
0: Yeah, And that don't work no more. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know that. I could have yeah. assumed, but I didn't know that. No, yeah.
1: It'll, I mean, you can have it on both and on your DVD queue, it will show that it is on instant, mm-hmm. but it won't automatically go to your queue. So you still have to manually go and put it there. Uh, but I was, yeah, I was very concerned because the worst thing that can ever happen to a person in 2016 um, is without question that they get a Netflix disc the day that movie goes on instant watch. Mm-hmm. nothing worse folks nothing what's the worse. what's what's this life for god at that point why bother why bother <laughs> now what are we pairing 2015 16s high rise with i
0: uh, some year 75 um, d- what was it 1975 75 okay. it's actually broke, a very key year because you it broke this, up right as you said the first thing so all i heard was moon five. five 1975 1995. 1975,
1: (laughs) which is also
0: the year that High Rise, the novel, came out. Interesting. Yeah,
1: but what is the movie?
0: Shivers. Yes. David Cronenberg's
1: Shivers. David Cronenberg's Shivers. Also known as They Came From Within, depending on what your market is or whatnot i think shivers was its more common name title
0: that's what i've always heard but i like they came from within better i do too yeah because shivers just doesn't really say much somebody's cold that's all i got that's very true yeah (laughs) and the movie's
1: not cold people aren't wearing clothing which makes me think it's kind of hot even if they're in canada but anyway before we get to our double bill of people living in isolated high-rises and um chaos ensuing oh
0: spoiler well i mean it's like the people know they know what they're getting into now but what do they know what you've been watching since we last recorded they don't know so i'll tell them i want to hear it okay so um one of our monthly movie nights um somebody else picked the movie nighthawks oh this is redger Hauer? yeah and Sylvester yeah, this is good times Billy Dee Williams I forgot he was in it yes he is um, it is a it, you know you could say any any like pick a 50s 60s 70s movie and you can be like these movies are weird it was a different time <laughs> yep. it, so to say it was an, a strange movie sure it is but it was still a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it um, I think that one it played well in a group nice um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm glad I finally watched it. I'm very familiar with the posters and like oh, yeah. the, like VHS, like the marketing behind it. Yep. Visually, I'm familiar with, but uh, first time watch, which I liked it a lot. Cool. Um, I was one of the only people to go to the theater to see Morgan. Apparently, because it would seem. It, I'm
1: really curious what you thought about it.
0: I liked it a lot. Really, they didn't reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything crazy to say that you called it. Is to say that you paid attention to the movie. Okay. Um, there was nothing. There was no big reveal, in my opinion. Hmm. It was a good movie with really lots good of cast. Yeah, really good cast. I thought it was great. I would like to see it again. Um. You. Sh- if this to me feels talk about an instant movie. This to me feels like a movie though. That yeah.
1: That's I know. Up. Um. A couple of people were talking about. It. I know Randy and I think Justin were, and they both kind of kind of alluded to like, yeah, it's it's an instant. It's it's better than it uh, it could be, but not necessarily worth a theater trip.
0: Oh, I I, I thought it was great. I, I I guess a lot of people really didn't like it, but I mean, I don't know. I would like you to see it. Um, okay. There is a movie on instant called Rebirth. Have you seen this go by? I, I
1: feel like I've seen it go by. Tell me of this movie, though, because I it's, don't think I've added it to my queue for some reason.
0: Got, um, the, Fran Kranz, I believe is his name, he is the ah, stoner from, from Cabin um, the Woods. Cabin in the Woods, yep, you know. hmm Um, he is in it, and I love I, him, so I will watch anything that he is in, and I watched this. Um, I guess it's okay. I didn't really love it. Should I watch it? Um, it's interesting so I wouldn't I wouldn't not recommend it okay so yeah if I had uh, I'm going to cheat on my instant recommend but if I didn't cheat on my instant recommend it might have been that
1: (laughs) okay if you're playing by the rules that is your instant recommend got
0: it I guess so but also this next one could be too the documentary called Holy Hell don't know it okay so it's a cult documentary and it's actually a good one Oh, it's so good. So it's the reason why I had heard about it is because the cult in question actually ended up in Austin. Oh, nice. So like they could have been a member. They Zach. Is convinced some of the people in this he recognized. <laughs> That's badass. So I was like, "All right, I believe you," because and then then at the end they do that like kind of wh- like what are they doing now right, right. type of thing. And some of them are still here, so I wouldn't hmm. I wouldn't doubt it. But it was amazing. This is a high recommend. You would need to watch. I'm it I'm going to. You know me. I love my cults, and it's really great. Sweet. Um. So went to the theater again. Saw disappointments room. Do you know? Mm, no. Okay. So it is. Um. What is that? Underworld. What is Underworld's name? Kate Beckinsale. There it is. Thank you. Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale is in it. Um. It is written by Wentworth Miller. Um oh, Who wrote Stoker? Um. Yes. It is. I feel like maybe I would like to know more, but I feel like maybe somebody messed with it a little bit. Mm. It wasn't true to the original story. There are things in this movie that blew my fucking mind. It was, it was great. It, oh. it was not without its faults. There was no, like no one in the theater when we went to see it. <laughs> it I, was not, I feel
1: like I have heard, I, I, this is the first I'm hearing of that title.
0: Yeah. It's, it's great. And, I didn't. uh, I'm bad on me. I love Wentworth Miller, like as a human and an actor, and a writer. And so, Stoker's like one of my favorite movies. Yep. No idea he had written this in the theater. It like credits start to roll, and I'm like, "Oh my fucking god!" (laughs) Bless you, movie pass. Well, I'm like, "Thank you, sir. This is this is why I like this movie a lot. Um, I will rep this movie hard." There are things in it that aren't great. Like I said, I the DJ Caruso is that his name? That that director he directed it.
1: D- uh, I don't know who that is. He
0: he directed Disturbia. That's the only oh, thing. I know. <laughs> <he directed. laughs> and got
1: sued over it.
0: Yeah, I he's that's like the only thing people don't like him, and I don't have any real reference point for that. But he directed it, and he also has a writing credit. And I would like to know if that was. In any way, a, co- a collaborative writing credit, mm.
1: yeah. Or if it was a director, then taking filming his project and then kind of
0: changing yeah, it as he cause went. because there's some shit in there that feels straight up shoehorned in. Like they, like, oh, let me just film this thing and sneak it in there. Like someone filmed after the fact, mm. talking to no one. Like, okay. So I would like you to see that too. All right, DJ that- Caruso. I'm just looking him up. Also did. Thank you for looking that up.
1: Taking Lives? What is Taking Lives? That's
0: is that the Angelina Jolie movie?
1: Oh, is that the one that um, is the reason I can never tell my mother I'm in a cab?
0: Yeah, probably. Oh no,
1: that's the Bone Collector. What is Oh, lives? it's the Bone Collector. You're right. I think it's Bone Collector. We, reference, we need to cover Bone Collector
0: one day because <laughs> I feel like we talk about that a we, lot. We do. We do. Taking Lives, I think, is Angelina Jolie, yeah. and she gets um, stabbed in her fake pregnant stomach at the end. Spoilers, guys. Too for I think.
1: the money. Um, taking lives is Angelina Jolie mm. with brown hair. Mm. Uh, yeah. Point being, there is. Uh, I guess I haven't seen much of his stuff. I am Me number either. four.
0: He did, yeah. which I liked actually. But he's
1: working on GI Joe three and XXX Return of Xander Cage.
0: Thank God.
1: So he's, somebody
0: needs to. Be. So
1: he's. I mean, somebody likes him because they're giving him pretty. I've, profile yeah. stuff so but it sounds like a movie we should cover when it comes to streaming please okay you Thank remember you. that because I I, I drink more
0: I will um we watched the messengers I think this is streaming somewhere you, this is the movie with Kristen Stewart in it oh okay this what movie you, is not good is it not good no oh, <laughs> don't watch this movie I won't <laughs> I if you know tell me we, in that voice then I, shan't. I don't know why we did um Don't watch it. I love Kristen Stewart, but don't watch it. Um, And you know what? I can't say that. I was going to say another movie you shouldn't watch is The Happening.
1: But, yeah, you should. Oh, no. We, we, there there has somehow, if people uh, follow us on Twitter, somehow the conversation began that we should cover (laughs) The Happening.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Because I was watching it. Of course you were. But, Um, like...
1: (laughs) there's that movie makes me angry with how bad it is and i mean this is me i love bad movies and but there's something about the badness of that movie that is made from so many like decisions that are just made wrong yes uh where like the end of that movie this isn't a spoiler but like when characters suddenly make a decision to not care, but it also involves this, like, eight-year-old girl that's with them. It's like, wait, are you putting her in danger because you guys decide you love each other? hmm Yeah, pretty much. But, um, yeah, so one day we'll cover the happening. But anyway.
0: Yeah, it really devolved into me screaming about how Birdemic is a better movie than this movie.
1: Uh, I think that you could pair them, you could totally do
0: a double billing, and the vote after would be close. I'll say that much. Um, I don't know why we watched it, but sometimes, I I, get, I think I make, like, jokes, and then Zach's like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> what did I
1: just agree to? It's, I'm now sitting down, and there's popcorn in front of me, and yeah. this is this is my life now.
0: Oh, oh, God, and who's that? Is that Mark Wahlberg <laughs> being confusing and wide-eyed? Eyes, um, you gotta care about the bees! He's just comical, that one. Oh, man. Um, I watched the Warcraft movie. Oh, okay. It was all right. I don't like Warcraft. <laughs> I mean, it was fine, but like, it was a strange choice. I, I don't have any connection to that. Yeah, I don't, like it's. I mean, it's an interesting when I, when I
1: saw the previews for it, I was like, "Oh man, that looks awful." I mean, also, same thing for me. I have no connection whatsoever yeah. to it. But it felt like, nah, this this is not going to do well. Uh, and then I saw Duncan Jones. I'm like, oh, I yeah. want Duncan Jones to make great stuff because I loved Moon.
0: Yeah, and it it, was, it bombed, it but not as badly
1: as people said because it actually did well overseas. I think.
0: Yeah, exactly. It and it's not bad, but it's not for me. Like, there's gotcha. nothing there for me. I didn't like. I don't know why we watched it. Do you I think it was Is that just
1: because you're not a Warcraft person? Or I'm just you're also not a fantasy person.
0: I'm not a fantasy yeah. person. Yeah, thanks. Like I'm, fan, I'm a fantasy be. fan,
1: but that looked to me like something I did not want to watch.
0: Yeah, I used to be a fantasy fan, and then now I'm, I'm old, and I'm not anymore. <laughs> you are spo- you, you, realize what this world is, and you think, fuck so. oh, fairies. I don't need that you. They used to be my favorite growing up. Uh, any, anything with a, a tinge of fantasy to it, I was like, hey, oh, we give were me labyrinth that. kids. I know. Right and now I'm like, ugh, ogres, get that away from me. Oh, Paul. Um, last thing, I zipped through this list, I'm very proud of myself. Last thing, and I don't know if you've seen it or have any intention of seeing it, but I saw Blair Witch.
1: Uh, I might see it. I have not decided yet. What did you think? I did not like it. You did not. That's most of what I've, I don't know that I've heard anybody really happy about it. I've heard some Mm -hmm. people that hated it and some people are like, ah, is that,
0: no, did you like really not like it or you were an ah? Um, I don't think I, I don't think I hated it. Um, but it's not, it's not good. Mm. So I guess it's, it's this, this, the kind of not good where I'm able to be indifferent. Like, it's not aggressively bad, which might make me angry. Right. But it's, it's just kind of like, well that happened there's strange choices that were made it doesn't seem cohesive my mom was like oh there's a lot of unanswered questions but hmm. not like in she's right but not in the sense of like they really they told such an intense story I felt like I left and I didn't get it all no it just felt like they opened up plot lines and never closed hmm. them interesting and it bummed me out and and it failed because of, it was a sequel and any glimmer of success was because you were relating it to the thing that you liked, or at least for me. Okay. Yeah. Like, oh, so somebody's standing in the corner. That evokes a feeling for me because of the thing that had already existed. Right. Not because of anything you did.
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I'm a big fan of the it. original. I, I saw it opening Friday night, and it was exciting. Oh, I know. Uh, I, and I like I've, I like Adam Wingard. Me um, too. I don't fully love him i think i'm a little more hesitant to declare him like the next horror god because i i think he has some work to do um Mm -hmm. but i really liked the guest and i really liked your next me too i feel like he was on like an upward trajectory so that's a little
0: disappointing to hear yes um i i felt that it was disappointing yeah i'm I'm thinking more and more now that i am not going to go see it in the theaters that i'm going to wait
1: for uh it's its entrance into the home video market, if you
0: will. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mm. mean, you know, like so. I saw Blair Witch in the theater too, and I think something was gained from um, seeing it in the theater. Yeah, but like, I don't think you would get. Was any this a fun theatrical experience? Like, were people excited? Were they screaming? No. There oh. was barely anybody in the theater either, and we saw it Saturday.
1: Yeah, that's disappointing.
0: Yeah yeah
1: plus like October's coming, and I really want to go see Ouija uh you know and Ouija, and there's another horror movie that's coming out that I thought actually I'm like, I may actually go to a theater and see that, and I can't remember what it is now, but yeah, I think I'll save my theater trips for those.
0: I don't blame you, yeah,
1: all right, that's all you got. That is all I have. Okay. Yeah, we uh, we're recording pretty close to our last episode, Uh, and then it took me ten days to post the episode because of technical snafus. Yay! But yay, I figured it out. I am the god of the internet. So there. Uh, Okay. What have I watched? So I took a plane. I was on vacation last week. I was in Kentucky, and okay, I fly like a few times a year. Like more often than a lot of people. Like less than some. But I. I take. I am on a plane a few times a year and it has been years since I've been on a plane where I was able to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just because the, the plane trips I'm making aren't quite long enough.
0: Mm-hmm. But that makes I, sense.
1: Yeah, but I was like the last time I was on a flight that had the TVs, I was all excited and then I tried watching movies and it wouldn't let me because it said the movie was longer than the, the flight. Mm-hmm. But I was flying from Atlanta to New York and that's like an hour... Fifty-minute plane, mm-hmm. and I sit and I realize, oh my god, there's a TV screen and I can watch movies, and I am so I'm a giddy with excitement about this. Um, but I'm like, I have to pick fast because I have to make sure that I can a watch something that's not too long, and b make sure that it's going to be short enough that I can you know that I or that I'm going to start it soon enough and not have it run out before yeah. flight ends. So I watched a very um, the, I guess the kind of movie that would be called a plane movie nowadays. I watched Keanu. Oh, what'd you think? I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, um, it had me laughing out loud sometimes. Uh, the There is a celebrity cameo where a very funny actress plays herself.
0: Wasn't that <gasps> That so was funny? amazing.
1: And now I've been using the term filthy peasant quite a lot lately. Uh, the kitten's adorable. Yep. Uh, it, it is very funny. Here's the other really funny part about this. Now, I didn't know they still did this. I remember what's now that I think about it, a movie that I had forgotten to put on my list. Um, But I ended up watching my cousin Vinny this week, just kind of on cable. And my cousin Vinny was the first movie I ever watched where I learned how important cursing can be Mm -hmm. because I went to see it with my family when I was like nine or however old I was when it came out. And my family and I all thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And then a few months later, we're on a plane and that's the plane movie and we're excited to watch it. And we realized very quickly that they edited out the cursing and we are all like, it's not as funny without the cursing. And so Keanu, I guess they do this on planes. Now it was edited. Interesting. They Blurred boobs, which is always funny looking to me because it makes me think that the women are all wearing bodysuits. suits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, they say freak and ninja um, and fart and yep. father quite a lot in that movie. And it's really funny to watch a movie in 2016 that has been edited for cursing.
0: That is kind of interesting. Like,
1: there's a part where they say n word, and they actually say and like they literally say n word. Yep. Um, which just made it really amusing. Like wow. it was kind of adorable, especially for a movie like that. Like it, it didn't really take anything away. Um, but I liked it. I thought. I mean, it it was funny. It made me laugh. Uh,
0: yeah, I thought it was great too. Yeah, yeah. good times. Yay. That's a, good, that's a good
1: movie to watch on a plane. It, it was a good movie to watch on the plane because it, like, I laughed, but not so much that I made people uncomfortable around me. You know, I'm very concerned for my fellow
0: passengers. That's <laughs> very good of you. But, yeah, we know.
1: Uh, then, um, because I'm me, there was a Lifetime movie or two that I happened to watch. Speaking of cults, uh, there was a movie on Lifetime called Ungodly Acts. Mm-hmm. Which I recorded because I saw it was a Lifetime movie and it had a cult in the t- in the description. So um, Noel Kahn from Pretty Little Liars, yep, yep. Plays, Uh this like young Christian who's kind of convinced that like not that he's the Messiah, but that like he can lead a cult and that he's going to be like that he knows the, the end of the world is coming and he knows that he's going to train people for it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but what happens is he leads this sort of like small group of Christians that he sort of like covertly takes over as a prayer group. And one of the girls who's his friend from college like, is in love with him and keeps asking him to marry her. And finally he does mostly to cover up his sexuality. So this was interesting because it's rare that I see a lifetime movie that is actually – uh like so he is closet he is gay and obviously Mm -hmm. living in denial but not quite and this is a movie about that more than anything which like even lifetime just almost always finds a way to make it about the woman and about romance and so on Mm -hmm. but no this is actually about this guy that's uh trying to hide the fact that he's gay uh it wasn't very good (laughs) um that's a shame. It sounds like it I mean, could be. It was. Oh, it was interesting. Uh, more interesting than it uh, could have been. And again, just the fact that like it really was about this closeted homosexual who's also a really scary Christian. That was interesting. The performances were pretty good. They didn't. The Christian aspect of it. They didn't go over the top to where it was just like, oh, these kids are crazy. Like, no, they actually treated it with respect. They had, they made it, they made you believe and understand why some of these kids would just be so devoted and everything. Mm -hmm. The problem is it just kind of falls apart at the end and doesn't there. I mean, there's a murder mystery, but you don't even know if it was a murder. And at the end, I really don't know what happened by the end of this Mm -hmm. movie. So it was not, not the best, but credit for trying. Um, Also on lifetime a premiere of a hotly anticipated sequel to a very popular Lifetime movie from 2015. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking, of course, about stalked by my doctor, the return.
0: Oh my.
1: Starring Eric Roberts. Yep.
0: I've seen people talking about this.
1: Oh boy. So stalked by my doctor was incredible. If anybody, um, is like wondering what the appeal is of lifetime movies for somebody like me watch stock by my doctor and you'll get it immediately. And so stuck by Red- my doctor, the return uh, is, is great. Um, and here's the thing that I figured out about this movie. We mm-hmm. talk a lot about bad movies and how, you know, you can't be an enjoyable bad movie if you fully know that you're a bad movie and so on. So stuck by my doctor here's the genius of these movies is that the director Doug Campbell has made like dozens of lifetime movies he knows what he, he knows the formula he knows the style he knows exactly how you make a movie with the word stalked in the title for lifetime mm-hmm. and what he does that's genius is he has 99% of the cast play it as straight as possible as a lifetime movie so all the actors are totally giving the lifetime performance. Mm-hmm. This lets Eric Roberts be insane, and it's okay <laughs> because he is grounded in this lifetime reality. Mm-hmm. The other trick to that is that clearly Eric Roberts has knows this character. I bet he has written like he like keeps a like character journal and wrote stuff and does like exercises because you just get the feeling he is so. He is not just playing over the top. He's not just playing crazy. He is playing this obsessive, sad, crazy man specifically as this character. Um, so it doesn't just feel like a bad movie for the sake of a bad movie. Like, he's invested in his performance. The rest of the movie is invested in being a Lifetime movie. And mm-hmm. when you put the two together, you get this just – just, you just get insanity. And it's glorious. So, I recommend
0: Stucked Sounds like it
1: You should see the first one um, You can, you know, do a little double feature And the movie, I I don't want to spoil anything But let's just say I look forward to Stalked by my doctor The Return of the Jedi, third one Whatever it's going to be called
0: So Stalked by my doctor again Again
1: <laughs> Stalked by my doctor For the third time uh, they, they can work on the they'll, – they'll get clever with it. Uh, okay. Another thing I watched, this was on Instant Watch, um, just kind of flipping around, looking for a horror movie to watch. And I see this one that has a pretty cool cover, and I see the con- – like a quick synopsis. I'm like, oh, this sounds fun. Uh, and then I didn't think to check the running time. So oh, the movie no. I'm talking about is called Dar at the Mall, and that okay. is Dar at symbol the mall
0: hmm. This, I think I've seen this. Yeah, the, the cover's not, not like, cool. actually it's like an elevator it. with blood and
1: so on. Uh, this is an Indian movie, which mm-hmm. is in part why it's two hours. Uh, there is a musical sequence in the middle of nowhere. And I'm not talking like cast gets up and sings. Like it just happens to be a like pop star singing for like five minutes. And then I'm like, oh, right, because we're in India. That's what happens. Um,. Then I, after I realized, oh shit, this is a two hour movie, which again, I don't mean to say that like, oh, the horror movie shouldn't be two hours, but there's a certain type of horror movie that shouldn't be two hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this I realized very quickly, I'm like, this is not a two hour movie. Apparently it was originally done as a sort of TV series. So I'm guessing it was broken up into three installments, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. Um, It's actually pretty good. Uh, a really good cast, like just, and the the concept is basically there is this big fancy mall opening in India and weird things have been happening. People have been dying, but it's a big opening night and it's now down to just the security guard, some of the investors and they're like, uh, you know, 20 year old kids or so. And of course stuff happens. There's a secret and so on. Um, but it's, Like it's hard to recommend because it just feels so much longer than it should be. And it doesn't do anything that new, but it does it pretty well. Really good cast where they're not given much, but that you just feel like they are good actors and are selling what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, It has a good look to it. There is a figure skating sequence. So obviously I recommend it for that.
0: I was going to say this, this movie does seem right up your alley. It kind of was in a lot
1: of ways. Uh, Kind of predictable. Like you can even kind of figure out what the big reveal is pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, for me, I I don't watch foreign horror films enough in a way. And there's so many major countries that I have such a blind spot to. India is one of them. I've seen very few Indian films, and of them, well, actually. Now that I say that, like, I've seen, what, like, one Bollywood film and it was a Nightmare on Elm Street Bollywood film. So, yeah, I've, of them I've seen, like, 100% horror. Uh, but I, it's always interesting to see another culture approach. And in this case, it's a very kind of standard ghost story. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's there. And if you can get past the running time, it might be worth something. Um then just a few more one so when last we spoke i discussed the disappointment that was star trek first no that was star trek generations yep i am pleased to say that the next film star trek first contact is fantastic well, well good yeah so this is 1996 i think or so Um, this is now we are done with the old enterprise and it is on to fully Picard's crew. Um, this is the Borg one, the one with with Alice Krieg as the Borg queen and she is great and her creation is great and she's sexy and creepy and scary. And, uh, it's, it's another case where the, you know, you, you feel like, nope, this was made for this cast, uh, it's so good. It moves. James Cromwell is in it, and he's fantastic. Alfrey Woodard mm-hmm. is in it, and she's fantastic. Uh, it's it is funny. It is scary. It is there is action. Most of the cast all get something. So there's a nice moment for everyone, one way or another. Um, it's just really, really good.
0: And did you watch Next Generation as the show? Um I've seen enough of it. I didn't follow it that closely or watch it into adulthood. Okay. Cuz I mean this I have a sense of it. Yeah, cuz I know you really haven't
1: seen the films. This yes. would be a great one to watch. Cuz it's it's entertaining. It feels um I guess the challenge whenever you're making a film from a TV show is that you want it to be justified as being a film and not just an extended episode of TV. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, you don't want to lose all the things that made your TV show click with the people that watched it. And that's what this feels like. It feels like that perfect case of taking the idea of a good episode and maximizing it into a full feature film. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Jonathan Frakes directed it. uh, And he, he's, he directed, I think, a couple of Star Trek films after this. He's done a lot of TV since. Uh, and you get the sense that he really knew the cast so well. And that's part of the charm, is that everybody's playing off each other really well. It yeah. just feels warm. Um, it's just really good. So I cannot recommend it highly enough. Might be my favorite of all the Star Trek films I've seen. Definitely near the top. Might be my People, people do speak
0: highly of that yeah. one.
1: It It is really... And it's, like, there's nothing to pinpoint as far as it being, like, oh, because it's, it's has the best script or it has the best look. No, it is just the best movie.
0: Mm-hmm. It just has
1: everything. The script is working right. Whereas um, with Generations, I felt like the screenplay was so many chunks of different things mashed together. This one, like, you have kind of three stories, timelines going on at once. And you're never distracted or bored. You're never thinking, are we getting back here? Are we going back? You're just going with it and it moves mm-hmm. so well. It's just really, really good. So, high recommend. Uh, then via TCM, I recorded um, Phantom of the Rue Morgue, which I uh, was confusing with an earlier film. There is, I think, Murder at the Rue Morgue, mm-hmm. which is with Bella Lugosi and that's about Bella Lugosi and an ape. This is a film from about twenty years later, so I think it's nineteen fifty something. Uh and this is with oh uh, Carl Malden and an ape. Uh it's alright, it's a fun kind of monster fifties film. Um would have been a great – I mean it's not terrible, but it would have been a great MST flick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like just kind of watching it lazily on a Sunday afternoon. It was more fun to talk at the film than to watch it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then lastly, uh, I – both my husband and I read Gunnar Hansen's book from a few years ago called Chainsaw Confidential. Mm-hmm. which is a highly recommended read. It is the leatherface writing about making the Texas Chance of Massacre. And so it very much made me want to rewatch the Texas Chance of Massacre, which I haven't done in a few years. I think the last time I watched it was, um, right when I moved into my apartment. So about four years ago, I really like to watch like a scary movie alone in my apartment in a new place. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just wacky like that. What can I say? But, um, yeah, so it had been a few years since I sat down, turned the lights off, and watched it. So Brandon and I made a night of it. This movie, it's so fucking good. It is! Yeah. It uh, and I mean, this time I was very specifically watching it with an eye towards what was in the book. Mm-hmm. And kind of trying to notice some of the things he mentions about just different effects and different... Places where they kind of had to make things work and just different ideas he puts forth in there about uh, his character and other characters and so on. And it's – I mean it is always great. It is always unlike anything else and Mm -hmm. at a level that just – I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite reach. Um, So yeah, if you haven't in a while, it's Halloween is coming up. Turn the lights down and – make yourself a nice some barbecue and enjoy texas
0: Chainsaw and that's what yeah I, say. I haven't in a while either you should do that it's been a very long time you actually big plans
1: for october right you're gonna do try to do a 31 um, uh i'm trying
0: i have to make my um spreadsheet
1: do you have rules about it is it like 31 horror films you haven't seen or
0: like you just
1: you just need to watch 31 horror films this month
0: Need to watch 31. We don't allow ourselves to double up one day and then take a day off. Um, it has to be one a day. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> what if, like, it's 8 o'clock and you don't have time to watch an hour and a half because you want to go to bed at 9.15? Uh,
0: them's the rules. Oh my God. But other than that, there's really, I, like, it doesn't have to be. I wanted to do some stuff I hadn't seen before, but we need to we need to have some outs, like, some, like, cheat days. So okay. I think... Like, we're going to put the um, Final Destination movies on the list. Nice. Even though it's been, like, eight months since I've watched them. Like, just, you know, hey, I'm tired. They're also no. really short,
1: which is nice. Like, some of them exactly. don't even need 80 minutes, I think.
0: Like, they're great and they're fun. And yep. I've also seen them all and I also like them all. And we can, I can maybe, you know, make dinner while one's on, you know. Okay. So so I try to make it, I try to set myself up for success. But I, I, I believe in your mantra. I do. Thank you. I have to also set it up. So okay. wish me luck.
1: All right. Well, I look forward to hearing how this goes. Thanks. Uh, before that, though, you've, we've got some of our own horror-ish movies to discuss, do we not? I think so. All right. So want to go chronologically and start with the one that was made earlier? Let's do that. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about David Cronenberg's debut Shivers.
0: Do you feel that? Oh
1: shit! Ah oh, Come on, get down with the sickness. Get up. Come on, get down with the sickness. Get up. Come on, get down with the sickness. Open up
0: your head and let it flow into me.
1: Get up. Come on, get down with the sickness, you mother get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You fucker get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Madness is the gift that has been given to me.
0: I can see inside
1: nineteen seventy-five, a young Canadian uh short filmmaker, not a short, not short of stature, he's short sure and makes films. He made short films. He is He seems like he's over six foot. I'm not sure about that. He just projects that, I think. Uh, Anyway, young David Cronenberg gets government funding from Canada because Canada is trying to break into the American film market and they realize what does that best horror films. So we're going to start producing our own horror films. that are going to have mass appeal. We got this young guy named David Cronenberg. He's excited. He's got a script. We're going to shoot it. Taxpayers are going to, in part, contribute to it. And we get shivers. So, I had seen this before. Had you? I had not, no. How exciting. Uh, I would like to add that I have seen it via a VH, VHS tape that I bought at a yard sale a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, something about that was very exciting to me, to sit down and like have to manually rewind the button and stuff. Uh, so, why don't you tell people what the plot of Shivers is.
0: Okay. So. They're in, um, there's this, there's there's this like high-rise apartment building. Not mm-hmm. to be confused with high-rise. <laughs> but it is a high-rise. But they're in a high-rise and it's like, it touts itself as being super self-contained, you know, because they're also on an island. She's mm-hmm. Louise. Um, Um, and then there's these parasites that make people want to have sex inside people, and they're also sexually transmitted, I guess, but also you can just shove them in somebody's mouth also. You can shove them, you can kiss them into somebody's mouth. I guess they, do they come out of penises and go into vaginas and vice versa? Uh, Because they say, I mean, it's it's implied or, or said that it's sexually transmitted, but, like, it, it's also like an actual worm type right thing.
1: and because i think it's also not a porn film we can't see them <laughs> we can't see them truly sexually transmitted look i wanted more well then <laughs> uh i mean we see them go into me- we see people kissing and sharing it that way we do see we that. see people having sex or kind of being sexually assaulted and then afterwards being possessed by this parasite thing so i think it's kind of if you have a hole that hole can shoot out or accept a parasite.
0: <laughs> Just as I went to take a drink of water. <laughs> In your hole? If if you have a hole. If, I mean, that's somebody what it comes that down to. Plug it up, right? Oh, wow. That's, oh. That is that is actually the spoke the spokes. Nope. The the tagline. I can't talk. <laughs> right for my tampon line. There we go. Plug it up. Yeah. There it is. Uh, What I found
1: watching it this time, I had forgotten how – I think it's very confusing in the beginning. This does an interesting thing where it kind of – it starts off so you have like this couple that's just like seeing this building. So you have the like real estate guy introducing the building and talking about kind of giving you a layout, Mm -hmm. which is very useful because he says we have our own medical clinic and so on. And then it, that's juxtaposed with this kind of middle-aged, schlumpy guy uh, fighting with a girl, like a schoolgirl, in a schoolgirl mm-hmm. outfit. And, and he ends up killing her, and it's very kind of hard to figure out what's going on. Yes. And the film then kind of pieces together that this guy was a doctor-scientist who was experimenting with this parasite, uh, he was using this his young mistress, who is, for whatever reason, like, again, a high school student, uh, he was using her as his sort of test case, and she had also been having sex with people, in the, with men in the building. Yes. Uh, so there's kind of one other guy that we start with who's had, like, lumps on him, and his wife is noticing and trying to tell him to go get help, but... So we kind of... Okay, so we see how it starts, is basically... One promiscuous woman having sex with a couple of guys, and then it's spreading throughout the whole building. And because this building is so isolated, it does not take long for the building to be filled with sex zombies, if you will. Yes, I'd say sex zombies is very accurate. They're, I mean, they are. Let's, they are sex zombies. Uh, it's 1975. So it, it, I mean, it's definitely influenced by romero and by zombies Mm -hmm. by this point zombies are in culture it's still pre dawn of the dead but you know we we have zombies um they are a different kind obviously because the and and that's what i really dig about it is that these are they're not necessarily undead they're infected and all they want to do is bone you yes uh and it doesn't matter what they started as and this is like might be my favorite aspect of the film is that you get like this you know old woman in her what 60s 70s sex zombie you get uh a like girl like a little girl sex zombie you get her mother sex zombie like it's very and it's also not necessarily all heterosexual uh I mean there are women who are making out and turning into zombies. There's also in the kind of when you get this sort these just manic sexual frenzies. Men are grinding on men, are grinding on women and so on. So it's just pure
0: sex zombie. Yes. It is pure sex zombie. <laughs> <laughs> um Which- um it's not I it's just- the, the fun thing about this movie is, while it is pure sex, sex zombie. zombie, it's um, not offensive, in my opinion. I would agree. Ex- ex- uh,
1: expound on that point, Christina.
0: It's, it's not... Because it's... Oh, my God. My words are gone tonight. Sorry. It's, like, universal. It's not... Yep. Um, it's not just ladies getting attacked by sex zombies, and it's not just
1: hot ladies. It's not just yeah, hot
0: it's guys. just it's it's not. It doesn't discriminate. No,pe not at all. And, and and it is more. It's much more like a factual thing that this is the thing that is happening, and I am going to point my camera and show you this thing that's happening. Mm. It's not. I I mean, i obviously it's like an allegory and and subtext and blah, blah blah blah, but it's also just very straightforward in what it's saying and doing. And it's not, it's not being like crass or shitty about it, which Mm -hmm. is, which is strange when you're talking about sex zombies, because it is, there's like, it is, it's, I I guess, a, a dude and his daughter, I guess, if the ADR is to tell me anything, um... like making out like but i'm not i'm also i'm not offended by most things but i'm not offended by it because it's just the narrative of the story Mm -hmm. it's the world that i have been introduced to um this dude straight up is raping his wife like and and it's awful but it's awful because of the the fact it's awful like how if somebody got their jugular ripped out that's awful in a movie because it's just awful things happening it's not like i don't know it's really interesting i think thought maybe he would be cronenberg would be more inflammatory with his choices mm. but it was all pretty straightforward yeah i'd agree
1: like uh, this is what happens when they're sex on when zombies. they're sex zombies yeah it's not you're right it's not discriminating yeah. and even the characters that are kind of our the characters that are trying to escape it Uh, it's, so it's the doctor and his nurse played by Lynn Lowry, who is also in the crazies, which is easily like a film I would pair this with because they, they share a lot, um, both in just also being about like kind of a community going crazy. There's also kind of weird sex things in the crazies. Uh, it's, so it's just interesting that she's in both of these Mm -hmm. and they're not they just happen to kind of be there at ground zero. So they see, Oh, Oh, we, we need to try to protect ourselves, but there's nothing necessarily special about them. Uh, you know, he's not going to save the world. It's just, you know, he can get away and maybe he can tell people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's something that I like too, is there's no, and part of it's just because the film doesn't go into like what this means in a bigger picture. But there's no sense of, like, real devastation when people get turned. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's okay. Like, this isn't... I'm trying to think of, like... I mean, the craziest comes to mind where there's a moment where one character, you realize, has lost it. And it's like, oh, man, that hurts. With this one, you don't get that as much. And I think part of it, too, is that it is... And, I mean, this goes to high-rise, too. It is the 70s. It is Mm -hmm. this high-rise apartment building there is that sense of kind of not emptiness but because it's not like the characters aren't bad they're not shallow it's just that sense of oh well it's the 70s this is what happens
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh you know whether that's me projecting now looking at it i don't know but it, it's hard to separate its time because it's just – it's so
0: 70s. No, it's true. It's definitely a product of, of when it was made. And it um, being
1: almost futuristic, like done as if it's – future. like it feels like in 1975, this is the idea of if you were to make a film today and uh, set it in a apartment building with Apple products and everything where it feels of its time but a little bit in the future.
0: Mm, I, can, I think
1: that's I, what this is supposed to be that. like. Yeah. Uh, we got Barbara Steele. Oh, so excited when so I saw her name her. show up. I yeah. didn't know she was in this at I all. I completely for I remembered Lynn Lowry being in it, but I completely forgot about Barbara Steele. And she, I mean, she just gets to be sexy and, you know, just what Barbara Steele is, which is kind of this thing that isn't quite human in your film.
0: And yeah, that's before it- the
1: sex zombie
0: i mean yes it's even before the sex zombie she's great um i think there's a lot of people in this movie and i don't and i mean that like it's it's a good thing like it it really doesn't feel like any one person's movie he's able to really give you enough um
1: even before we get to like the extras he -hmm. gives you enough characters that you get A bit of a makeup of this building
0: yeah and it's it's good because i don't i don't know if i want this story just following one person Mm -hmm. around yeah because i'm following people that are that are infected that have no idea what's going around going on that are like all about what's happening that are get like there's just so many different pieces to it and it ends up like kind of almost effortlessly forming a whole yeah and Without, like, overt exposition and, like, the, like somebody's pausing in the middle to, like, go out of their way to, like, draw us a diagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he gives you very little.
1: And even the choice to open the way he does where you have the, uh, this character killing a young woman and then killing mm-hmm. himself. I, watching it the second time, and it's been a few years since I watched it, but it made sense to me this time around. But I remember... Thinking back to the first time I watched it, being very confused, but I think it all puts itself together so that it just feels like he went for a kind of interesting way to open the film. Yeah, not that he was trying to disorient you or anything like that. Uh, and something I love, and I, it's, I mean, I always appreciate this in movies, is that you do have this very, um, you have a lot of different generations living in this building. Mm-hmm. So you have this old couple who are fairly prominently featured, you have a lot of young people, you have families, and so on. And I think that helps a lot to make it feel like there's more people, just because you feel like there's more types of people, I guess. Yeah. Um, the On my VHS, at the end of it was an interview with David Cronenberg where he talks about this movie, and one of the things he mentions is that um, with his cast, he was able to, I mean, obviously, Barbara Steele was a name that he was able to get, And some of the other, like, most of the lead parts, which is probably like the four or five primarily featured actors, Mm -hmm. were real actors. But almost everybody else were essentially walk-in cattle call, where I guess also because it was Canadian-financed, it was like, you have to hire Canadian actors. So they just had open calls for anyone to come and audition, and then he'd kind of find parts for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that makes sense watching it like after the fact. Cause I think that explains why you have um, these old people and another old person and so on. Like, I think it just gives you that mix, but it's cause it really yeah. was real people. And I don't think any of the acting is so atrocious that you notice that. Um, I mean, there, there's some kind of wonky line readings here and there, but it doesn't feel that out of place. Uh, he talks a lot about, this was his first real film and how he, he was kind of terrified because after like two days of shooting, he was like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm doing this right. I don't know that I, I think all this time I thought I was a director, but I don't know that I'm, I'm, this is coming out well. And then he kind of refocused and learned and he learned from the crew. Ivan Reitman was a producer and he, you know, speaks very highly of him. Uh, but he, he ends up with, I think a pretty cool movie.
0: I, I think so too, yeah,
1: now have you seen Rabbit? the film that came after this with Marilyn burns? Mm-mm. Ooh, okay, you should see that i actually I think I like shivers more, uh but rabbit is definitely it's continuing the themes very much, uh and it's kind of in a way uh taking you know shivers is there's this parasite loose in this building and it's all contained to to this building. And we see it on a a kind of mass level. Whereas Rabbit, it is Marilyn Burns has this parasite and is loose in the world and spreading it, but it's all done through her, kind of. So it's, you know, he definitely, and Cronenberg is in some ways probably the easiest filmmaker for like film students to write a paper on just because his themes are so. Not obvious, but they're so going from one film to the next film to the next film. It's very clear mapping out of what he's interested in and what he's Mm -hmm. exploring. Um, But so this being his very first foray, uh, it's not quite as deep as, you know, where he'll go with stuff like Dead Ringers and Videodrome.
0: Yeah. But it's cool yeah no for sure um zach said well you know we weren't necessarily talking about where it sat in his in his filmography but he said it feels maybe like his most unfocused Mm. and and i don't know if i agree with that but i i can only think of it like well if this was the first if, if i sat down and saw this movie this was the first movie i had ever seen by this person my God, would I have been on board for anything else? Me too. Yeah. Like what else? What is next? What are you going to do? I'm in this for life with you now. Like, so unfocused, maybe, but I also was, just me, stretching his legs. Yeah, like, I think that's what it's to me. It's not unfocused. It's that
1: it is lighter and more. Um, his, I mean, his movies get so dense. It, generally, it's a good thing. You know, yeah. the fly could just be a movie about a dude turning into a fly, but it's actually about aging and insecurity and all this other stuff. Whereas I think this is really just very much, I know it's a very simple allegory of, I don't know, sex and uh, transferring things, but it's really also just at its heart, it's a, a fairly simple horror film. Yeah. There's themes, but they're light. You can make an analogy, but you can do it in a sentence and not have to explore it anymore. Uh and it and even with that, like, it's so stylized. And it works so well being in this one building. And you know, the look of it and the look of the actors is all working with it. Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, I would I just feel like it it is his simpler his simpler tale if you will but it's it's such a great start
0: <laughs> oh yeah it's it's a real feat of strength I'd say yeah
1: Cronenberg uh, talked about how he did like a, Q, a screening of the film like sometime in the late 80s uh, and a guy like stood up during the Q&A and was like I can't believe that you know you can sit here and show this and make no mention of, of Alien." And David Kernenberg's like, well, actually, um, my film came out four years before Alien did. Uh, and Dan O'Bannon has actually spoken about the fact that he saw Shivers and it influenced him a little bit. And you could totally see that. That's funny. Like just I mean, the idea of a face hugger, the idea of this parasite. It's it's definitely there. You could easily make an argument that Alien Owes a fair amount to this movie in terms of yeah. its visual sense and everything. Um, I think my other favorite tidbit I gleaned from watching that little interview is that the actress who plays, uh, I don't know what the character's name is, um, it's Janine, maybe? The wife of the guy, the insurance guy, who's the first guy to kind of get the shivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so his wife, who's sort of just this, you know, she's being cheated on, but she doesn't know it. But she's just kind of sad and worried about her husband. Um, that actress apparently had done a lot of, like, sex comedies and comedy stuff, but it, like, really wanted to do a drama. So she was really excited to get cast. But what she told David Cronenberg was that she, um, she was not, like, method trained and she could not get to an, an emotional place where she could play the scene correctly. Mm-hmm. So what she said was I need you to slap me before every take. David Cronenberg's like no, I'm I'm not going to slap you. And she's like no, 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 you need to slap me. I'm not going to otherwise I can't do the scene. So they got to a point where like he would slap her cuz like she would basically not do the scene if he didn't. And everybody kind of got used to it. And then one day Barbara Steele shows up for their scenes together. And they're about to start filming, and the actress walks over to David Cronenberg, and he smacks her in the face, like, three times. And she goes over to start filming, and Barbara Steele, like, walks over to David Cronenberg, grabs him by the neck, pushes him against the wall, and screams at him, How dare you do that to an actress? I've worked with Fellini, and he would never do this. And and David Cronenberg's like, No, no, no. So, talk to her. Seriously. It's not me.
0: That's (laughs) insane.
1: How great is that image of Barbara Steele grabbing David Kernenberg so by the throat because she thinks he is slapping an actress. I love it. Yeah. That's pretty badass. Um something I really like is the way this film opens with sort of a slideshow commercial for the building.
0: I actually loved that. I'm yeah. glad you brought it up. I had I had completely forgotten. It just right away gives you you know, we're saying this
1: isn't like an exposition-heavy film, and this is a great example of that. It opens with, here's the setting of our film. It's new mm-hmm. age, it's modern, all of these things are in this building. So it it is pure exposition, but it, it doesn't feel like it because it is stylized. It's instantly, especially now looking back at it, and it feeling like a piece from the 70s. I think it's just such a smart, strong way to open this movie. Mm-hmm. Um and that's very cool
0: it uh, is it was it immediately pulled um pulled me in like yep. I, instead of, you know, I don't know, some, sometimes things will start and, like, opening credits will roll and I'll I'll, I'll be kind of, like, half there. Yep. Like, I'm still not in, but immediately, like, I stopped talking, wasn't touching my phone, wasn't, mm-hmm. like, okay, what's this? What's happening? It was really, I, I definitely noticed it, so I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah.
1: Now, did you watch this before or after High Rise? After. Okay. Just curious if that... If, if there was any effect of that for me, I did too. I mean, again, I've seen this before, but I watched it just yesterday and it was, it worked for me to kind of contextualize then high rise in this context in a way, I guess Mm -hmm. of thinking of it similarly with the whole, here is the new age apartment for this age. Um, the, there's one sequence that I also thought was just a really good horror movie sequence
0: mm-hmm. when
1: the the main doctor is running. It's it's kind of like his last escape, his last chance to escape from sex zombies. And he's running through the pool, he's running through here, and he gets outside, and it's this dark <gasps> with the
0: hill. Yeah, and they just
1: start emerging. It is a. I mean, David Cronenberg obviously has produced some of the like most memorable images in horror. But never something quite like this because he doesn't – he doesn't make – didn't make many of these kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this brilliant just – it's dark, it's dark, it's dark, and you just start to see a shadow and a person, and then you realize, oh, no, it's a whole line of sex zombies. Yep. And it's effective, man. Uh, Now, do you have more to say about it? That's most Um. of my notes.
0: I walked away from it feeling like it was a really simple movie. Um, and I don't know if I feel that way about... I, I like Cronenberg quite a bit, but yeah. I feel like he gets... He, he, he moves away from kind of the simplistic power that this story had. Like, it was it was a sex worm thing. Yep. Like... But it was... That was enough. It was perfect. Yeah. And you never... You know, you're stuck in this... This building. And at the same time that you feel claustrophobic because you're stuck in this building, it feels extremely spacious and, like, there's a lot of story to tell. Yeah. And a lot of movement to make. It's really expertly done. Um, And it's very... Like, it would have been very easy for him to have,
1: you know... I mean, he has doctors in his movie. It would have been very easy for him to have one of them give a speech about... Um, what this is doing to the people, and you could have blatantly editorialized, I guess. Yeah. And he doesn't do that. He doesn't have to. Like, there's no, uh, you know, the the sex zombies are saying things like, you know, come, enjoy, but it's not like, enjoy because you're so tightly wound otherwise and your life will be yeah. better if you let go of it. Nope, we don't
0: need that. Exactly. It didn't feel preachy, even no. though, like, they were clear like there was that that weird worm exposition where they were like revealed what the the doctor had really been doing like it wasn't medical research to make a a parasite kidney it's he wanted people to be more animalistic right and and then but okay but that's it like yeah it's it's, it's it's showing on yeah so which was good yeah um i'm surprised how much i liked it well wonderful good
1: yeah this uh and again for a first film pretty damn exciting. Jeez, yes. Yeah. Uh it's it's a fun one. Um now did you watch it any special way like with uh
0: um we we um rented whatever's on Amazon.
1: Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, I I don't know if there's of like a big deluxe DVD or anything with commentary or whatnot. But Mm -hmm. even the, the interview with Cronenberg about this was really entertaining because I think, and he, the way he talked about it was, I think he's proud of it as a first film, but was able to recognize, you know, that it is his first film, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, so it's a good one. All right. How about we rate it?
0: Jeez. um, I think I'm going to go high on this.
1: All right. Quality of film. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Just give me to give it a solid seven. I think for me, mm,
0: I was gonna. I think I'm gonna go eight. Oh wow! Yeah. Good for you. Um, and then quality of life. Yep. Seven point seven five. I think. Eight point five. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I enjoy this. It, I mean, this is not one that airs on cable very often. Uh, but it 's one that I would totally sit on if it came on again yeah um, i 'll rewatch it in a few years i 'm sure i 'll cite it for a lot of things when you 're looking for examples of stuff but uh it 's yeah it 's just good cool it is re- it is really good nice all right uh take a quick break. we are gonna again now we 're staying in the same time period, but we 're going. 30-plus years into the future of the film being made.
0: Dun-dun-dun. With 2015-16's
1: 1975 set, High Rise. We'll be right back. Percussion, Strings. Winds.
0: Words.
1: There you see her Sitting there across the way She don't got a lot Say, but there's something about her, and you don't know why, but you're dying to try you wanna kiss again. Yes, you want her. Look at her, you know you do. Possible she wants you to. There is one way to ask her. Don't take the word, not a single word. Go on and kiss sing with me now. Okay, Ben Wheatley is not a stranger to the feminine critique. Uh, we have covered a Field in England and Kill List. Uh, we have spoken a little bit about some of his other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I have gone on record as saying I will see anything he does. Uh, He excites me. He is exciting as a filmmaker. He seems to have a lot of the subject matter that I get excited about. Uh, He seems to as well. So he adapted J.G. Ballard's High Rise, which was a novel written in 1975. I'd read it maybe a year or two ago. And then got really excited when I saw that Ben Wheatley was making a movie of this film, of this book Mm -hmm. that I read and really liked. Uh, And this is the movie we got.
0: Now, you had not read the novel, right? No, I, I, I guess I forgot that you had, so I'm going to want you to talk about that. And I'm going to want you to
1: talk about watching it without any context. Okay. Because like many a film, um, this, I mean, this is a case for me that happens quite often. I, it, it's, it's hard for me to really know what my opinion on this movie is because it is, it's very close to the novel. I'll say that much. Um, it is a pretty faithful adaptation. The differences are there. I mean, there's minor plotting character stuff that feels just because well, you're making a movie. You're not you don't need all that and so on. Yeah. Uh, if memory serves, I think the book is um, the perspectives flip kind of back and forth between Tom Hiddleston char- Hiddleston's character and the character of um, Wilder. And the book mm-hmm. kind of goes back and forth a little more. Uh, but as far as plotting and basic attitude goes, I feel like it's a very faithful adaptation, which is what makes it hard for me because then I'm just – it's hard for me to separate a book that I read not that long ago. Uh, so why don't we start by telling
0: the people what this movie is about? Okay. So I don't really know if I know what this movie is about. <laughs> um, So, if, funnily enough, it's a lot like Shivers in the sense that it's it's it seems very straightforward. Yes, but there is a it seems also like there is an awful lot going on. So, Tom Hiddleston moves into a high rise. Um, in the hierarchy of the high rise is determined by what floor people yes. live on. Um. And then, basically, we watched the decline of civilization, but in <laughs> inside the you know the bubble of the high rise um,
1: yeah, this is a high rise where I, much I like yours everything is very self contained it has its own supermarket. Ha-
0: why did it happen other than the fact that it had to happen
1: yeah well what what ha- the way it starts,
0: so you already have uh, Tension in that yeah. when Tom Hiddleston. So correct me if I'm wrong. When Tom Hiddleston shows up, there's already problems in the building. Well, there's there's tension to begin with. Mm-hmm. Just in that you have
1: the middle, and I won't even say we it's it's the middle, the lower middle class on the bottom floor. Yeah, and the thing is, everybody kind of knows, I guess, how much you make based on what floor you live on. Exactly so, if you if
0: you were better off you wouldn't be on such a low floor
1: right so right away there's that kind of tension of that. Um, it is a building where you have families and kids and you have <laughs> movie stars and single playboys. so there's the tension of people that uh, you know see kids and think oh they're gross they pee in the pool. Um, which is kind of true. Uh, <laughs> and then the flip of that is you have the families who see the wealthy people and just think, oh, they're awful, they're inhuman, they don't care for children, they don't care for anybody but hedonism and so on, which is also kind of true in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start with that. You have some interactions. There's, you know, characters that um, are more social and who throw parties for multiple floors, if you will. And then at the very top, you have Jeremy Irons, who is uh, the architect of this building, and his wife, who is pure, snobby, um, very materialistic, uh, throws parties where everybody dresses like it's 17th century France, Mm -hmm. 18th century France. Um, So you have that automatic case of there's going to be some tension just in that you're all living in in this same – building and you're using the same electricity and you're shopping in the same supermarket and yet you feel like you are classes above or below these other people Mm -hmm. so then when stuff starts going wrong just based on building issues so electricity starts going out but it's only going out on the lower floors and the lower floor people are complaining and saying well we're paying utilities just like the upper floors and this isn't happening up there um it just starts to kind of breed this uh, contempt, contempt for each other,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which grows and grows. You get a couple of kind of big situations. So there's, um, after the lower floors have been kind of shut out from a lot of things, uh, you have the character named Wilder, played by Luke Evans, Luke Evans, um, who is uh, a kind of rougher- Type guy. And mm-hmm. so he's intent on, we're going to destroy, you know what, that's our swimming pool. Come on, kids, we're going to that swimming pool, which sort of starts a class war. And from there on, it's orgies and rapes. And it really does escalate quickly. <laughs> it's very much a, well, that escalated quickly mm. thing. Uh, t- and to me, it didn't, again, that doesn't bother me because I knew it going into it. Uh, and the movie opens in a kind of it opens the same way the book does with you kind of see shit's gone down you see bodies you see chaos you see Tom Hiddleston grilling up a dog yes yes and i believe the opening line of the book is it wasn't until robert was eating the dog that he re- that he looked upon the events and thought that was strange or something mm-hmm. so it's definitely like the start of saying from the beginning shit's going to go down wacky look at where we get to, and now let's show you how we got there.
0: Yeah, I hated that it opened that way. Did you? Yeah. Why? Because I didn't want, I don't need to see it like that. Just tell me the story in a linear way. Hmm. I didn't need to be shocked into paying attention or something. Yeah. I don't know, like, I, it, it never... Okay, that's what ends up happening. I would have been more, you know, just glued to the screen because it was it was crazy. Here's it a was- question.
1: Yes, go. Would it have been different if it wasn't... If, let's say, they opened on a character eating a dog but that character wasn't Tom Hiddleston's character? Mm-hmm. Because Tom Hiddleston plays the character of Robert Lang who is very much your into this building. So he is like in the middle floors. So he's kind of right where... You know, he is a doctor, so he is educated, but it's also he is working rich. He isn't um, born rich or, you know, uh, forget all the words for that. Yeah. Uh, He, you know, he is right in the middle where he kind of seems to have the interest in social climbing. Yes. Uh, But not in a, at least in the beginning, not in a way that turns you off from him. You just see him like, oh, he's flattered to be invited to a party on the 40th floor. Yes. And he's really pissed off when he's laughed at when he enters that party and he's not dressed right and they call him a derelict and throw him out of the party. Mm-hmm. You could see that pisses him the fuck off. Yes. Uh, really badly to where he does something very unethical as a doctor. Um, but so he is very much... Oh, your, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he... <laughs> and that's... And I think that is... Uh, one of the more interesting, but maybe challenging aspects of the film is his character because he's presented in some ways as your everyman entry into this world. Yes, but there's a lot of shit going on with him. Yes, and so uh, you know he's he's a he's presented at which I like. I like that he's sort of presented as a good guy for a while. He's really nice to. There's a um, uh, Santa Miller plays kind of the, um, building, uh, like me not mean girl. Like she's just kind of, she knows everybody in the building. Yeah. She's the gossip. Yeah. She's- and she has yeah. a son, like who's kind of like a geeky son and he, like he tries to, he's really nice to the kid yeah. for the most part. Like he says some accidental shit to him. Oh, so funny. <laughs> That's a great moment. And but like really he's, is. he's trying, like he's, he's trying clearly. Like he seems like at, in his heart, his natural instinct is to be a nice guy. Yeah. Um, which I think is what makes it more effective when he goes pretty extreme. Yes. But I wonder if opening on him at that extreme is actually the right decision or not.
0: In my – for me, I, I didn't – it didn't work, I think, the intended way. I, it took away some of it, some of the surprise I know part of, you know, that whole, if, if you could, if something was spoilable, then it wasn't that good anyways, mm. because it shouldn't hinge on the reveal or the twist or the secret. And I believe that wholeheartedly, but when it's a, like kind of like, like a character study and we're going to see someone's descent or climb into some right. new state of being, I don't want to know that that's, what's going to end up happening. Because yeah. there was never anything crazy enough to get him there. I mean, it was all crazy, and it was all interesting, but it wasn't like he got possessed, and that's why he's like that. right. Right, right. So, like, I just wish it would have been more like, a, we're, gonna, we're just going to watch as this happens, mm-hmm. and you're not going to really understand, and it's going to seem really crazy, and why don't they all just leave, and oh, look, he's eating a dog. Yeah, that's that's what happened.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I often don't like uh, movies that begin with the end. Yeah. To me, High Tension, I know people complain about High Tension for the twist not making sense. For me, what I hate about that movie is the fact that it opens and I'm like, oh, okay, so – that character is responsible for things. Mm-hmm. And then the movie confirms it. And I'm like, all right, that would have been more surprising if I didn't see it in the opening scene. Yeah, And I think that is the case here. Uh, and again, the book starts that way. I don't think the movie had to. And I think if there is, Oh, does the book starts that way. The book starts with, yeah, the, the opening line of the book is about Robert Lang eating a dog. Huh. And
0: you know, how does it work in the book? so it opens with him but like do you feel good about it were you like alright I I like this this Uh, I mean it opens on a shocking
1: I think it's different in a book because I I feel and this I'm going to make generalizations that aren't necessarily true for everything but I think in a book I don't necessarily have to be surprised for things to really affect me in a book Mm Hmm. In a movie, you know, it's that constant argument about spoilers, I guess, and how yeah. you know people say, oh, like you were saying, oh, if, it, if, a movie, if a plot could be spoiled and that ruins the movie for you, oh, then it wasn't that good a movie to begin with. No, no, no. Yeah. That's not what I always complain about. What I complain about is saying, if you tell me something that the movie was going to reveal at a certain time the movie wanted to reveal it to me, now you have deprived me of the experience of what that movie was meant to do for me. Yeah. Right? So Fight Club, you know, does it work if you know the ending? Sure it does. But do you ever get to experience that movie the way David Fincher wanted you to if you know that ending? No, you don't. Uh, And I think with books, it's it's rare that – I mean, I guess there's exceptions. Like Gone Girl, yes, there was that moment of holy shit in Gone Girl when you find out stuff. Yeah. But with, you know – Salem's Lot's a great example of a, of a book that opens with the ending. You know, in that book, who that at least these two characters make it that nobody else does, and they've moved on, and it sets something up. But it, and it it's not like it spoils it because at a certain point you're not you're so into it that you're not thinking back to this you know um, preface in the beginning. But in a movie, there is something to – I think you have a shorter memory
0: maybe, right? A movie takes two hours. A book usually takes longer. I almost said that if a book starts like that – Maybe I mean, part of it might be that you have more time to forget, but yeah. I, I think you might understand what I'm saying. I didn't say it because it sounded stupid that's why I didn't say that, but I think <laughs> you might understand what I'm trying to say not that you ha- maybe i'm'm to- I'm, I'm not afraid to say something stupid is what you're saying, <laughs> but you get like you're able to get more distance from mm-hmm. that yes we can't get yeah that you're
1: much- sitting down it's- in presumably one sitting to experience this movie, you're not gonna it's rare that you're going to forget what you saw only an hour and a half earlier,
0: especially when it is that shocking. Yeah, you're going to hold on to it, and you're going to constantly be thinking, "Is this when we're going to get to this point?" Right. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I just, think it didn't undo the movie for me, but I, I. Identified multiple times that it would have worked better for me had it not opened that way,
1: and I think that as you say that, I
0: think I completely agree. I think
1: it's funny. It reminds me of the Wicker Man, and there's a lot of different cuts of the Wicker Man out there. (laughs) And I don't know which what the one I saw first was, but I know that for me, the reveal about uh, Edward Woodard's character was shocking because I should. Didn't see it coming, mm-hmm. and then I, the next time I watched that movie, the opening scene is characters talking about him that blatantly spells out something very key about him. Yeah, and I thought, oh man, I'm so glad I didn't have that the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the case here. And I, I yeah, I, I I wish it hadn't that it just opened on him entering the high rise for the first time or moving in cuz you're right i don't think it needed to show you this is how
0: crazy it's going to get no because it's 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 it the, the story's not about that so much like i don't need you to, to show me the height and then we'll slowly build back right. up to that like take me along the journey make me lose my mind with them yeah. i think also a part part of you know if you were to read that there's a bit of – you you're out of sorts. You don't – you feel like you're just dropped in the middle of exactly. things. You can't You can't get your bearings. But with this, you're immediately looking at Tom Hiddleston and you know that that's yep. the main character. Yep. So you You can never – if it had been like Joe Schmo and maybe you didn't recognize him. Yeah, and even watching it, I was
1: thinking that with the other – there's a couple of other characters that are show in the beginning. And they even say one of their names. But I forgot about them as I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. You know, but because it's Tom Hiddleston and it's not like, you know, Ben Wheatley didn't know that because, you know, he knew he was, when he was making this movie that Tom Hiddleston's face, that's the face of the movie and that you're not going to forget him. Yeah. And I think it was just trying to take the structure of the book where it didn't necessarily work. Mm. Um, this and the screenplay is written by Amy Jump, who is yep. Ben Wheatley's wife, and they uh, most of the stuff they've. I think everything except for Down Terrace she wrote the screenplay for, uh, and apparently also they edit together. So she writes the screenplay and writes it with a little more with more visual direction than most screenplays, mm-hmm. because then because I mean they're kind of working together. Then Ben Wheatley just goes and films it, and she's like not even on set for it, and then they sit in the editing room together. So it's an interesting process. Um yeah, and just it's funny how like the more we're talking about this, like that one decision really does bug me because you're right. I think it would have been stronger to build rather than do that. And I wonder if part of it was the thought that well, you know, we don't want people coming into this movie and not kind of knowing how far it's going to go. Yeah. So, you know, you open on somebody eating a dog and you're not going to have anybody walk out of the movie later. Right. If if you can
0: handle a guy eating a dog that he just pet, you can kind of handle anything. Yeah, but I didn't I mean, need to do that. There's some. I think there's some validity to that. Sure, but then you take something like Kill List, and imagine if you had known how Kill List Ugh. was going to end at the beginning of Kill List, yep. and and
1: Kill List being, and I even wonder if that was part of. In a way, this is almost. uh structurally like the reverse of kill list yeah just because kill list is such a slow build and there's scenes of violence that you don't see but you hear and then you see it and then it's so intense and with this it's the the escalation isn't there
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and and that's why i'm saying it was so hard for me to know is this you know how am i experiencing it differently than if i'd not read the novel yeah because in the novel the escalation's pretty slow and progressive and everything and with this i don't know i did it, it to you did it feel and i don't even want to say natural cuz it's not like it had to be natural but what did you think of the progression of insanity
0: um i thought it was i thought it made I see, because I'm thinking about the, the first, <laughs> the first yeah. bit of the movie. I mean, yeah, to me it made sense. I guess I was looking for a more, like, actual, like an actual thing to point to as to why it would escalate. But I don't think that's the point. I think that maybe, like, it's... To me, I viewed it as like the fall of civilization in its own little microcosmic mm-hmm. area, but on like fast forward on fast forward right so i don 't really think it matters like I get that people were pissed that the power went out like it just it existed in its own reality so when i when when i 'm okay with that, when I take that at, at face value i 'm fine with the with the way it was paced and the way everything rolled out i think it i think it was effective um it didn't it was not a gut punch like some of uh, the other ben wheatley movies i have seen have been so i i mean yeah i i liked it but it i think i i don't know i want to read the book now i think i could have loved it but i just liked it
1: yeah and i'm kind of in the same camp uh this this was one of those like notorious movies that for years nobody could make a movie out of. uh, in the one's that came closest Nicholas Rogue was going mm-hmm. wanted to make a film of it and what's Nicholas Rogue I think was either like a mentor to Ben Wheatley or is just somebody that Ben Wheatley has spoken of as being like his role model.
0: Yeah.
1: And also apparently at one point Vincenzo Natali did Cube and Splice, he was attached mm-hmm. to a film version of it. Uh which and both of I could see both of those films. And with this one, it kind of looks exactly what I pictured it when I was reading. Like mm-hmm. it's very clear that him and Amy Jump read read the book, wanted to film that book. But I guess that's where I'm kind of left wanting something because I don't know that I got anything out of the film that I didn't get out of the book other than it looked really good. Mhm. I uh, you know I I liked the choice of music. I loved the visuals. I think the look of the high rise was menacing and ugly and kind of perfect. Uh, I think the casting was great. I don't think anybody was miscast. I think Oh yeah. Tom Wilson it- was the perfect choice for that part. But there was something about it, and I have, could not tell you what, that I was left wanting, and I don't know what that was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the things, other, like things that I, what really worked for me and worked a little more the more I thought about them. Um, the Elizabeth Moss's character is Wilder's wife, so she's kind of this constantly pregnant. Um, and smoking of course because it's the 1970s I uh, really
0: liked her too I did too
1: because I realized something because I watched this about two weeks ago I think and then I watched started watching it again yesterday at the gym because I'm like you know what I'm like because I, I really couldn't wrap my hands about what I wrap my hands around my thoughts around somebody part um I couldn't I'm like let me just let me just go through it again and see what I get out of it. And I realized kind of on second viewing or second half viewing that her character is also really shallow. Yeah. That she is constantly saying, you know Things would be better if we just lived a few floors up and she's watching, you know, a movie with the actress who lives on the 39th floor and she's getting lost in it. And I thought, I'm like, Oh, like that's really clicking for me this time. Like I see that now that this Mm -hmm. character, also has this sort of different thing that's going to lead her down this path. Like, it's not like it's just her husband. Who's crazy. Like, no, no, no. She would get to that same point without him. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if maybe we just needed more characters going down those paths. Cause there's a few, um, you know, you have the super who kind of hates children and is very happy when things start kind of descending, um, you have uh, Jeremy Irons' bodyguard who yes. also just hates the lower class and just sort of, you know, there's something that builds there. So
0: there is there is something of an ensemble cast to it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think this could, I mean, to kind of piggyback off what you're saying, could have benefited from something that, we you know, we just said Shivers did, which was not really focus on. One person on one too much. Yeah, and this very much is mostly seen through Tom Hiddleston's eyes. Yeah, if if like you you know if you were able to follow multiple characters and kind of you know their arc into this, whatever yeah. it becomes, and maybe that would have been a little bit more compelling. But I mean, you're saying that that also wasn't in the book, so. No, well, I'm, I think – I wish I could remember.
1: I think the book definitely alternates. Yeah. I think it alternates just between Lang and Wilder, but it might also alternate between Royal. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there, are, there is another voice in there. I can't remember whose it is. It might be his. Uh, yeah, and, and I understand approaching it as, you know, this, this gets so chaotic. This is a big cast let's focus it on Tom Hiddleston's uh, character. Yeah. Because it gives you what should be that kind of stable force that then also kind of goes with the building to where it Mm -hmm. it goes. It makes perfect sense on paper to do that. And I don't know at what point one would have realized, ooh, maybe we're missing something. Maybe we need to kind of give... I don't know, to to be a little more ensemble in how we approach it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that was kind of an early – it's like one of those mistakes that I don't think was a mistake until after the fact. Mm -hmm. Because it makes sense. Because if I was adapting this book, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah, But just the final result means, yeah, there's something missing and part of it is maybe it's because I never uh, take anybody else at more than – character at more than plot value as opposed to character value
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know what we don't have in this movie what i don't think we have michael smiley in this movie. oh no right i was really um. concerned and i was googling <laughs> why isn't michael smiley in high rise and i was not getting answers
0: well i'm sorry but maybe maybe one day you'll find the answer it just
1: seems weird like he's his he is he has been wheatley's dick miller to his joe dante like he's in all of Ben Wheatley's movies, and he wasn't in this one, and that worried me. I hope they didn't have a falling
0: out. I'm sure they didn't. Maybe next bad. time.
1: Remember when you and McGregor and had that fight with Danny Boyle, and now he's never in another Danny Boyle movie because of it.
0: Yeah. Just saying. No, I hope that I hope that didn't happen. I don't want it happening. I like
1: Michael Smiley. He would have been good as just like a random crazy guy in the building. Yeah,
0: of course he right? would have. I
1: mean, the rest of the cast is very good. Um, Sienna Miller's great, I think
0: yeah, everybody was really yeah. good um it was it was a good movie for sure, but I mean, Ben Wheatley, I'm sorry when you inevitably listen to this, <laughs> obviously, I'm sorry, On his morning workout. you're just so amazing. Really maybe is. I hold you to too high of a standard. Oh, I definitely do and if because this wasn't exactly what I wanted to pull out of my brain, I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that's fair that's really all it is it was great I, uh, yeah. I enjoyed it and I'm really glad I saw it and I don't understand the negative reviews I'm seeing about of it now because when it was doing it's festival run I know a lot of people saw it at Fantastic it was Fest pretty polarizing yeah um, I people I trusted seemed to be on board and I was like oh I'm excited to see this now as it's more readily available I'm hearing a lot of negative stuff um, I don't think the the intense hatred of it is really um, justified. Mm. It's not a bad movie.
1: Yeah, it's... I mean, Ben Wheatley is, is a director who I think every one of his films are going to be a love or hate in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because of the subject matter. I mean, Side Series is a black comedy. Very few black comedies find middle ground with people because of mm-hmm. his... The subject matter, matter is so dark that it's either going to turn you off or you're going to embrace it and you're going to enjoy it. And especially all of his stuff, which is so uh, 2.11. Everything he does is 2.11 in different ways. Mm-hmm. Right? In a field field in England, which is so different from everything else, it, you know, and again, I, and I, I think I've, I said this when we reviewed it, I could understand somebody not, somebody hating it. But it's an accomplishment for what it is, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I feel about this one. It's it is a good movie. It is a good looking movie. It's you know it is well acted. It I get in, in in an odd way. It's probably Ben Wheatley's like most conventional film, aside from him having his probably his biggest budget. I have no idea what the budget was, but it's clear this was made for a lot more money than Kill List, mm-hmm. and he has real recognizable actors. He has Jeremy Irons in his movie. And it doesn't feel like it's one of those, oh, you know, sometimes when you, when a director goes to Hollywood, it doesn't work. It's not that. It's just it's something in the way they approach the material. And I think almost being too beholden to the book. I th- it just, I don't know. Or maybe there was no way to make, maybe this is an unfilmable book in that sense of, you were never going to get that same effect on film, because yeah. if there was somebody that could do it, it would have it been Ben Wheatley. Yeah, I, I wish I could also like verbalize what's missing, and I don't know what it is. But there, I enjoyed watching it. I I think for me, I would have enjoyed it more without the book, mm-hmm. just because the concept itself would have won me over. Like this is the kind of concept that I will enjoy. As long as it's done well enough, I would have loved this movie. But I think having the book in my head, I don't know. Just loving the book and liking the movie just felt like they're like, oh, what's missing there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I kind of felt the same way. It didn't – I I, ex- I could have been blown away by it whereas where I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you should watch it. Yeah.
1: And it goes back to what I always say about adaptations and how I always want an adaptation and not a translation of a book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this movie looked exactly as I pictured the book, which on one hand is cool. On the other hand, it's like, oh, I feel like there should have been something I didn't think of. Yeah. Like, I'm not that great. I must have missed something. No, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I did like the – like, and this, I think, is added, is the, when he goes to that party and they are dressed like the French aristocracy of Marie Antoinette's time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, that was cool. And that, I think, is not... in. The, I, like, there's a party in the book, but it's not that, I don't think. Um, and it just feels like this cool, weird thing that works on film. You have this orchestra, chamber orchestra, playing an ABBA song. And that really was where it was like, yeah, like, this is... This is where it feels like a film, and not just translation of a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that happens with a lot of the visuals. When he's in the elevator, locked in there alone, that's where it kind of comes to life for me because it that, thats where it's you're using the language of film, not just the book, to tell this story. So I guess that's where I you know wanted more. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can get behind that.
1: Cool. Glad you agree. Uh,
0: but yeah. Hmm. Huh. Um, glad I watched
1: it. Me too. Yeah, I had been looking forward to it for a very long time. I had. Almost, I was worried uh, that it,
0: it. I thought it might um knock Killist out of the top spot. It didn't. Safe and sound. Good. Good.
1: Um. Yeah. No. Killist is still my number one. Probably followed by Sightseers, Down Terrace Field in England. This this might be above Field Field in England. For me, it is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's right between them. But uh, it, uh Kill List and then Sightseers for me, where I'd go. I know his next film mm-hmm. is like also a pretty big budget something. Um, and again, I am excited by everything he does. I'm excited by everything Amy Jump does. She apparently does not give interviews; like she just doesn't talk to the press, which is a shame because I'm like I really want to know more about her. Uh, but it's you know he is he is still a filmmaker to watch, and I am excited by his stuff. And I mm-hmm. you know I wish I could really nail what's not you know I, I wanted to like this more definitely, but I do like it. Uh yeah. It's about where I fall. I do recommend reading the book and 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 more than anything I recommend reading the book for those who are going to see this, watch the film and then read the book. Cuz otherwise you will have the problem. Oh, okay. Cuz I mean cuz that's and well, for I me so that's usually the case. It's it is as much, as hard as I try, uh it is fair is impossible to not have the book in your head when you're watching a movie. There's no way around mm-hmm. it. Even if the movie is taking liberty, that's great. That's what I want it to do. But I'm still thinking, oh, I wonder if this character had that – is working from the same motivation that the character in the book would have had and so on. So I definitely Mm -hmm. think this is a case where I think you'll also enjoy it more as a movie without kind of the ghost of the book in your head. Um, But it's a great book and I highly recommend Mm -hmm. it. So, Yeah. Do you have more to say or should we rate it? Let's rate it. All right. Let's do it. Quality of film – uh, uh, I gave Shivers a 7. And I mean, this, as a film, I think is probably a, a more accomplished film. Um, so I'll go 7.5? Yeah. 7.25? So
0: Somewhere 7 there. 7.5 for me, because, I mean... Sure, it's certainly more accomplished as a, as a f- film, but I, from a story standpoint, I really have a problem with that opening.
1: Yeah. No, it's, this is, it's definitely a case where great would have been the entire film, I think, would have had a different filter without that opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, listeners, if you're going to watch it, start at the five minute mark and see if that works for you. And tell us of your experience.
0: Yeah. Don't listen. Don't watch that beginning. Just skip it.
1: Start like three minutes into the movie. Go there. Start out for where it says three months earlier. That's what you're going to do. Quality of life and stuff. There you go. Um, For me. Seven. Yeah. I was going to go 6.75. I I mean, if this is what, if it's on TV, I'll watch it eventually. Um, I don't think I need to own it because I feel like all I'd want to hear about is them talking about the book um, and what they Mm -hmm. took from the book and making the film. And I, you know, it's, yeah, it's there. It's on Netflix. I think think most of our listeners should watch it just because I think it is the type of film that you're going to, you're going to be entertained. It might make you angry. You might not love it. But it is an entertaining film. It does weird shit. The story's weird. You're, you're going to get something out of it. Uh, and then you can figure out if you're, if you're lacking something, as we were. And then you can tell us on your Facebook group or Twitter, mm-hmm. at, at The Feminine, at feminine Podcast, uh, or Facebook, The Feminine Critique on Facebook. Uh, all right. So that was High Rise. Uh, what was your – wait. What was your quality of life? Seven, you said. Did I make that up? Yes, I made that up. No, I said seven. Oh, okay, good. Uh, I have short-term memory stuff lately. Uh, All right, so that is High Rise. It is on Netflix Instant. Um, Yeah, again, I'm continuing to drink the Ben Wheatley juice. Uh, His stuff excites me. This one was just lacking something. But anyway, uh, now on to our streaming recommends. Could be Netflix. Could be Amazon Prime. Do you have something?
0: I do. It's Amazon Prime. That's okay. So is mine. Oh really? Yeah. So, so I don't think. Oh, man, you probably watched this and recommended it to me. So I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's. Have you watched Southbound? I have not. No. Ah, there you go. Yay. I'm recommending this movie to you then. It's it's like an anthology. Ooh, okay. Is it horror? But it's not. Oh. Yes. Um, but it's it's really cool, and I don't want to talk too much about it. But I liked it. Okay. So you should watch it. Okay. All right. I, I, I it's like the cover. The cover is like a big pentagram. I I don't know if you. have Seen it? Kind of I may by.
1: have, and I had not heard anything about it, so I didn't do anything. But I'm gonna. Okay, all right. I will. I will. Uh, I, think I, will I will watch it. And let me tell you why I'm gonna watch it. Because my Amazon Prime recommend happens to be a movie that mm-hmm. you recommended to me last time when we spoke. What? And I said, I think that's streaming on Amazon Prime. What is it? What is it? It is a little something from the '70s called Messiah of Evil. I'm so glad you watched I it. Did. It is on Amazon Prime, uh, wasn't it? We it's weird. I loved it. Um, would also be a good pairing with Trippers yeah, it because it's very much an unconventional zombie film. It, it is. Uh, it's a movie where you don't know if if it if it was like what it lacked as far as production value and even being like, apparently Mm -hmm. I think the directors who also like wrote and directed Howard the duck, by the way, did you know that? Oh, really? I don't think I knew that. No, no, I did. I did. Yeah. It's a married couple. And they, they also wrote the screenplay for temple of doom and like wrote a lot Mm -hmm. of other stuff, but their only other like directorial film was Howard the duck, which is kind of awesome. Uh, But so it's like, it's not, it may not be a good movie. Like, I think there, are, it might have been unfinished. I think it was taken out of their mm-hmm. hands at one point. It feels like there's things that are unresolved. You don't know if they're supposed to be. I don't know if these moments of silence are just because they didn't know how to put music in there or what. But it all comes together and it works. It's weird. It's creepy. It's It's eerie, I think was the word I kept kind of harking on when I kept thinking about it. You have these long drawn out sequences where there's a woman that when she goes to the movie theater, when she goes to the supermarket and they just keep going and you're, you're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because they just go on too long, but it's great. Uh, And the setting, since they're in an artist's house, you have all these weird paintings and sculptures and it's just not quite like anything. And I dug it, girl. I dug it.
0: I'm glad you watched mm-hmm. it. It's, it's really, it's
1: interesting. Yeah. And I missed it. And I know it's, I've heard it yeah. talked about a lot, um, but mm-hmm. I just had never thought to check it out. And I was talking to somebody cause I wrote about it on my blog and somebody was saying like, they couldn't get into it and they always felt the same way about Fulci films. And I could see that like, yeah. it's similar to the beyond in that way where, you know, you don't know if it's, maybe it's not a good movie, but if it works for you, it just clicks and it really works for you. Um so I dug it. Yeah. All right. And now Hooray. speaking of spooky things, Christine. Spooky. <laughs> yes, spooky it's, things. We're almost into October. The next time we record, it's we gonna be October. October. So we will have our you know, our pumpkin spice flavored microphones on. Uh and we're gonna talk about mm-hmm. some horror movies.
0: You excited? Yay. I am. All right. So the I first think one. Some good ones. Yeah.
1: Well, the first one was my pick because um, I have yes. been itching to rewatch this film for years. Uh, I saw it in the theater when I was a wee one, and it scared me. Uh, and Shout Factory just put out a really loaded Blu-ray release, so we are going to tackle Wes Craven's *The People Under the Stairs* which I'm Woo! really excited to revisit. Uh and you decided well, the movie you'd like to pair it
0: with? Yeah, it, it's um it's some years Silver Bullet. Yep, some some years 1980
1: something something Silver Bullet. Know.
0: Which I have never seen. Uh Yeah, um I for some reason well I you've never seen it. Nope.
1: I know it's Stephen king and it's a werewolf movie
0: yeah it's um a movie that i've wanted to cover because i've i've wanted to talk about it and when you first said people under the stairs this immediately popped into my head because for for some reason i really tie those together at a certain point in my youth
1: okay all right well we will discuss it soon yes All right, in the meantime, people, if you would like to weigh in on our discussion, please come to Facebook, look for the Feminine Critique Facebook group. We'll let you in, just request it, uh, or follow us on Twitter at Feminine Podcast. And with that said, I guess the moral that we've learned is to um, not move into, but it would be nice to live in a high-rise with a grocery store in it, wouldn't it? Oh, wouldn't it? Like to not have to put on a bra to go to the grocery store.
0: I would be – I think I would be susceptible to all of these, these failings and woes because oh, I would question. be very lazy.
1: Yeah, I would <laughs> – I, I was thinking about that the other day because um, uh, no, Friday the 13th Part 7 was on and that's mm-hmm. the one with the girl with telekinesis. And I was watching it thinking yep. how great is it that I don't have telekine- telekinetic abilities because, Christine, <laughs> I would so never lazy. move. Yeah. I would I would gain 100 pounds in two weeks because I would just constantly be moving cheese you would to actually, my mouth. Yeah. yeah, it would be yeah. terrible. And I guess that's kind of the idea wow. of high-rise where if, you know, all you had to do was walk into an elevator and go to your grocery store, that's not good. I get it.
0: No because
1: sex parasites. Because sex parasites, oh, fine. Sex parasites <laughs> and uh dog eating and yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> so enjoy your homes And your shabby little apartments on the fifth floor walk-ups where you have to walk up five flights of stairs after you go to the grocery store. Enjoy that, people, because that's how I live. No sex parasites. There are no sex parasites. That I know of and I hope that stays that way. (laughs) Good night, folks. Night. Out, out, out. Time to get out. Out, out. God, I just rip out. Shelly, listen to me. What do you do when you blow out a tire? Trash it! Some holes you'll never pack. You'll never pack? And who do you save when your house is on fire? Fire. Don't bring the guy who lit the match. match. So we'll get a post office box and we're gonna change all the locks and we're gonna stay with my cousins a while.
0: Then we'll get a three bedroom house with a white picket fence and a gun. Gonna get a homeowner's loan Gonna get an unlisted phone Gonna get away from a town gone insane Kinda
1: thought they would Then we'll get a three-bedroom house A beautiful three-bedroom house A wonderful three-bedroom house House. house With a great big pickle on a chain Okay, 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 okay Okay. Right, 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 mother, you're right Right, right Still kind of sad that my dad lost with marbles He had, but we're free Free! Free! I'll get a